G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Let's get a bit of an update though when it comes to issues to do with the election campaign. Both Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten beginning today in Melbourne where they're attending an RSL conference. Uh, The RSL is asking the major parties to overhaul the veteran support system. There's some other things to take note of. The latest news poll revealing some support for other parties other than the big two and independence has jumped to a record high. Let's get some insights from the Australian Christian Lobby. Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director of Australian Christian Lobby, joining us. Hello, Lyle. Welcome along to 2020. Good morning again, Neil. Great to be with you. Well, Lyle, we're halfway there. We're about uh, 30 days uh, into the election campaign and uh, things uh, not that exciting still, uh, but the, uh, the Prime Minister and the opposition leader starting the day in Melbourne. Let's come to this news poll issue because the idea that uh, support for other parties and independence has jumped to a record high, is that some sort of a surprise to you? Uh, I'm not really surprised about it, Neil. It it is quite uh, astonishing that uh, the vote for parties other than Labor, Liberal and the Greens is at 15%. Uh, um, That's enormous. But uh, I'm not surprised by this. I think people are underwhelmed with politics at the moment. Uh, They're underwhelmed with uh, both leaders. And uh, we've seen this phenomenon, which you and I talked about, uh, that's playing, uh, talked about last week, that's playing out in America with Donald Trump, uh, I think we've got a similar sort of situation here. We, we don't have a Trump-like figure, and that's probably a good thing, but we do have this disillusionment with the mainstream political process and a lot of people feeling let down by politics as usual. And I think that's why we're seeing this extraordinarily high number of people who are prepared to vote uh, for any of the anyone else but uh, the three uh, main parties. Uh, now, I'm including the Greens as a main party because uh, they... They're polling around about uh, 9 or 10%, and they've got a high profile. But Labor, Liberal, the Greens are the three parties that uh, are most prominent in the political system. But here we have a whopping 15% uh, support for independence, and that's extraordinary. Of course, the dark horse, if you can call him that, Nick Xenophon, waiting in the wings and expectant of a very good result, at the coming July 2nd election, and he's talking about that word too, disillusionment uh, with the major parties and the expectation that a lot of people will vote for Nick Xenophon. Is there a, an Australian Christian lobby perspective uh, on Nick Xenophon? Uh, yes, um, I, I've certainly got an, a perspective which, which would be a concern that, that we at ACL would share. Now, Nick Xenophon, is, he's a very clever parliamentarian. Um, he is very good at getting media attention and good on him. I mean, that's that's uh, a skill and, and that's necessary for anyone to succeed in politics. Uh, I think what we've got to realise, though, is, it, is that uh, there is a degree of popularism about Nick Xenophon, and I don't mean that to be unkind. That's just a reality. He certainly supports uh, changing the definition of marriage, so he hasn't thought through 
the consequences, the social justice consequences uh, for children and uh, the issues around freedom of speech and freedom of religion, the, the very big consequences that come with that policy. But on the other hand, Nick Xenophon is very good on issues like gambling and poker machine reform. And uh, there's certainly a big campaign by by uh, gambling interests uh, against Nick Xenophon. So he, he's a little bit of an enigma. He's a popularist. Uh, he doesn't have a, a good position on, on marriage and family, uh, but he's good on some of the other, other issues. Uh, he is very much a South Australian phenomenon, though. Um, he, he could well take uh, three Senate seats in South Australia, and there's even talk that he might, uh, one of his candidates might win a seat in the House of Representatives, the seat of Mayo held by Jamie Briggs, who's a federal uh, minister in the government. So he is, is looming as a very serious contender uh, in this election. There is a possibility, isn't there, that on the cross benches uh, could be Greens senators and also Xenophon senators. Is uh, how do you think they would mix as cross bench senators? I think um, that would make things very interesting. Um, uh, it would mean that the government, uh, whoever forms government, would be negotiating with Nick Xenophon, and I think most. Uh, political pundits think this is what is going to happen on July 2, is that there will be uh, a very close result. I mean, the headline news poll result shows both the government and the the, um, opposition running neck and neck um, when preferences are distributed. So there could well be a situation if if you've got a Xenophon um, uh, candidate in the House of Representatives, for instance, uh, you, you could have uh, Xenophon uh, Green in Adam Bant and um, Independent in Andrew Wilkie from Tasmania. So there's there's three um, non-aligned uh, candidates there in the House of Reps. Uh, that, that could cause a problem even in the House where government is formed. And then you've got the Senate uh, where you could have several Xenophon contenders, um, a, a big clutch of Greens, uh, perhaps a family first in Bob Day in South Australia if he's re-elected. Uh, and, and maybe a couple of other independents. So if, if Malcolm Turnbull thought by calling a double disillusion election he could uh, get better stability, uh, I think that was perhaps a, a miscall. We're probably um, heading for, for greater instability uh, the way the opinion polls are shaping up uh, one month out from the election. Well, the Education Minister, Simon Birmingham, he's on the trail calling Australians not to risk voting for minor parties and uh, if stability is the issue of course uh, uh, they're not going to get that as you say the way that the Greens and the the Nick Xenophon candidates may well get in there but uh, let me ask you about that word risk for a moment Lyle because a lot of our listeners might be thinking of voting for one of the minor Christian parties and uh, and in the back of our minds would be this idea of, uh, well, the government saying don't take a risk and vote for minor parties because that will cause all sorts of upheaval. But uh, what is the risk of not having a Christian voice on the crossbench? Uh, look, the, the risks are, are very high. And, you know, this election, as you and I have discussed before, is very much a pivotal election in terms of where Australia goes uh, with this whole rainbow political agenda with uh, same-sex marriage, with uh, safe schools, which teaches our children that their gender is fluid at school. Very, very dangerous ideology. So um, you, you've got a, a government uh, where there's people who are wishy-washy on the coalition side. You've got the Labor Party fully um, invested in the rainbow political agenda with all the harms that that carries. Uh, I think um, Christians should look very carefully at how they vote. They should look at individual candidates uh, uh, and and where they stand. Uh, They should also look at uh, some of these minor Christian parties 
Um, now, Family First don't uh, consider themselves a Christian party, but uh, they, they certainly uphold a lot of the values that you and I uh, would support. I think people should look uh, very closely at where they stand, and uh, I think it would be better uh, for uh, parties like Family First to be in a balance of power situation than, say, a Xenophon party and certainly the Greens. It would certainly be great to have uh, a party like Family First in the mix uh, of um, of a crossbench in the Senate that the government was forced to vote for, be, uh, to, sorry, to negotiate with, because that creates leverage uh, for the values that you and I share. So it's certainly not a waste of a vote uh, voting uh, for a, a minor uh, Christian or family-based party, so long as people uh, make sure they know what they're doing with their preferences and, and where their number two, three, four, five, six, etc. vote goes after that. And that's just a case of uh, being... Uh, informed by the Australian Electoral Commission of how the voting system works. It's not that complicated, but it does require just a little bit of thought in the way the preference is distributed. So it's certainly not a wasted vote voting for a minor Christian or family-based party. Lyle, what do you know about the relationships between these minor Christian-based parties? Because there's quite a lot of them. You mentioned a conservative party like Family First, which has those Christian foundations but doesn't promote itself as a Christian party. But you've got the Christian Democratic Party. Uh, You've got the Rise Up Australia Party. Uh, You've got the Democratic Labor Party, the DLP. And uh, you've also got Australian Christians in the mix. Do they have a good enough relationship that preferences will uh, flow to one another and that would maximise the Christian vote in the sense of if you were voting for a minor Christian-based party? Look, um, you would need to ask those parties themselves. Um, I I suspect that that there is uh, a, a, a... relationship there and and that these um, minor parties are talking to each other and working out how best to maximise uh, preference flows um, in a way that would honour the vote of of most Christians. But I think at the end of the day, it's up to you and I as individuals to make sure we know uh, how our vote is going to be spent and how our preferences are exhausted. It it, it really isn't that complicated, uh, but it just requires you and I just to have a bit of a look at um, at uh, what the Australian Electoral Commission says uh, about uh, how our preferences flow, and usually it means just making sure we number, um, uh, you know, in the House of Representatives, number every box. There's not that many in a House of Reps um, uh, voting ballot paper. In the Senate, um, with the new voting rules, uh, people need to vote uh, one to twelve, and and just it's just a case of make, making sure your preferences flow. Uh, in those 12 boxes to parties that you agree with and, and where there's candidates that you agree with who, who you know will uphold Christian values. That's really the essence. Uh, whether you want to vote for all those minor parties that you mentioned, that's fine. But just make sure you number your boxes accordingly so that you know where your preferences are flowing. And Lyle, just quickly on the issue of stable government, the idea that uh, it's a risky thing perhaps to vote for a minor party. It doesn't have to be risky. Uh, but stable government, I guess, for most people listening to our conversation now, would be the ideal because I don't think people uh, tend uh, to prefer all of the toing and froing, the controversies that come with a hung parliament and a aggressive, a contentious crossbench. Uh, some people will be thinking, well, we just want a stable government and uh, the rest of it is she'll be right, mate. That's not necessarily the case, though. What are your thoughts on what an ideal stable government might look like after July 2nd? Well, I think 
you know, those of us who are my age and, and younger can remember the days when we did have stable government, when, when either, if you think back to the Hawke-Keating years, uh, you had uh, 12 years of, of, of a Labor government. Now, whether you agree or not with Labor policies, um, it was a stable period. And then you had the Howard years, another uh, 11 or so years of stable government. And that's where, you know, in both of those periods, um, you know, one of the major parties uh, had... Um, had the numbers in the parliament to, to govern um, at times, you know, having to negotiate with a crossbench, but, but generally they, they were able to uh, get their legislation forward. I think um, what we're heading for at this election is, is more instability. I mean, the Greens have really a lot arrived on the scene uh, as a major third-party force, uh, albeit minority, uh, but it's going to be very difficult for um, either the Coalition or Labor uh, to, to have the clear numbers they need uh, to, to get the business of, of government done. So we, we based on the, the current polling numbers, and we are a month out, unless that changes dramatically, um, I think we're heading for, for more instability in the future. And, and I'm not sure that that's a good thing for our nation. More instability on the way. Well, Lyle Shelton, always good getting your insights. Lyle Shelton, the Managing Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, Lyle, thanks so much for sharing those things with us today. And I'll point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website uh, to get some more perspectives from a Christian biblical foundation as to what's happening in the lead up to the election. Lyle, thanks for joining us today on 2020. Thanks a lot, Neil. Great to be with you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.